Welcome, my friends, to the That's Ball Folks podcast. I'm your host, Josh Reynolds. This is episode 46, and this episode is a special one because this episode is brought to you by Buffed Energy. I've teased it for a couple weeks, a couple episodes about a new sponsor being brought on, and I am very happy to officially announce it. Buffed Energy is a completely different way of energy drinks. I used to be a big Red Bull guy. I actually would drink them more than I am proud to admit. Got a couple friends, uh, JT, shout out you, who uh, are big five-hour energy people. My brother, Jer, bless his heart, he's sick, by the way, so no brother you love and hate this episode, but he is a big perk energy guy, and Buffed Energy is completely redoing the way that energy drinks are done. I'll talk about it more during the little sponsor ad segment, but had them approach me, was happy to sit down and talk with them, but I wanted to try it first because look, yes, it's awesome to have sponsors, but I am lucky enough to be at a spot uh, with this podcast where I can say no. If I don't like the product, I'm not just going to say, yeah, let's do it. So I wanted to try it. I tried it and was blown away, genuinely blown away. It's a mushroom-based energy drink, and I know that sounds wild coming off just off the tongue like that. But it is totally different. They do not put it in cans. It's in like a little sleeve. Think like uh, like the, the IV, uh, liquid IV type stuff. That is what it's like. And it is phenomenal. Zero exaggeration. It was one of the best energy drinks I've ever had. Venom Berry is the first flavor that they're rolling out. And I could not have loved it more. Truly could not have loved it more. I've now, I was given like five samples uh, when we first had our first meeting. I tried the first one when I was there, loved it, and have crushed the rest of them. So you already know that I hit them up. I'm like, hey, uh, I'm happy to do the sponsorship, but I'm going to need some more. And they hooked it up. So I've got something special that I get to offer all of my listeners. This Thursday is Buffed Energy's pre-launch. And with this pre-launch, we are able to offer my listeners, for anybody who orders a subscription of 30 sticks, you will get a six box of the other flavor. And that will come with your subscription every month for forever. Again, this is only for the podcast listeners. It's pretty cool that I get to offer my listeners something special, especially for something so great. Whether you're an energy drink person whether you just take pre-workout, whether you just want something to sip on that's healthy and good for you, this is it. Again, Buffed Energy is changing the way that energy drinks are done, energy drinks are viewed. That's it. Mentioned it's in a little sleeve, a little pouch. There's no carbonation. It is mushroom-based. It tastes amazing. You you would never guess in a million years it was mushroom-based if I didn't tell you that and you didn't read on the little label. Awesome, man. For real. Very excited to have them as a sponsor. We're going to be doing giveaways and all sorts of creative stuff. That's actually one of the awesome parts of having them as a sponsor is uh, there are no rules. We get to make them. And I'm really excited to offer you guys that. Uh, Again, keep an eye out. Keep an ear out. I'll push it on socials on Wednesday uh, with a little QR code and code generated that will take you to the page to take advantage of this. Big time. Buffed energy, man. Very happy to have them on board. Anyway, how's it going? How, how on earth is it going? I hope you all had a fantastic week. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to NBA camps. We're going to talk about college football. Of course, the Utes. Going to dive in depth with the Utes stuff this episode. Talk about the Colorado-Oregon game. Oh, poor Colorado. 
I also am going to talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and how they're officially dating and how much I actually love that. Give you a little fantasy update. Talk about the Dame situation. Could he actually be headed to Toronto or Chicago, somewhere like that? The Birds are 3-0 and after a very convincing win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night, which was lovely. My guy, Britton Covey, showing out for Monday Night Football. And the Birds aren't even playing their best football, which is the best part. So we'll talk about that. And we'll round it out with... Uh, a couple things. I'll do my own little version of love and hate uh, in honor of Jer, who, again, we hope you're feeling better. Let's start with this. We'll start at the top, and that's the Utes. What a game. Well, eh, what a defensive display against UCLA this weekend. Also, Utah at home has a thing about getting the game started with the bang. Florida Obviously, the just bomb from Bryson Barnes and Money Parks to get things started offensively. And the first snap of the game, UCLA, pick six, Karene Reed. Utah has an elite, elite defense this year. They just held the nation's third best rushing offense to nine rushing yards. Nine. They held Florida, who actually looks now like a decent team. Everybody was crushing them after that Utah game. They held them to 11 points. They held Baylor to 13 points. Weber State, the poor little school, not poor little school, but against Utah, poor little school, uh, to seven points. And UCLA, they held them to seven points. They never let their quarterback get comfy. They sent different looks and different pressures his way all afternoon. Ended with seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss, a pick six. Ended the final drive, sack, sack, sack. There was one specific defensive play that bugged me, and uh, it was a third and like 26 deep in their own zone. UCLA had the ball at the one-yard line. Utah had just gone like sack-sack, false start, two-yard gain, and then they decided to go prevent D where they get like a 20-yard cushion. They end up picking up the first down. They go three plays down the field and score their only touchdown, which was really annoying. 99 yards, that should never happen. I understand the prevent D. I just hate it. Anyway. We got to talk about Nate Johnson. Well, we'll talk about him in a sec. We talk about Nate Johnson being the third slash four string quarterback, but the defense is filled with these guys as well. You look at the defensive line. Simone Peppa, Junior Tafuna, Connor O'Toole, Van Fillinger, all of them are out. When they come back, what do they do? You have to split snaps. Now, Tafuna came back a little bit, but what do you do? Like, you have to give the guys we're playing now snaps. Of course, you've got the names like Cole Bishop, Reed, Lander Barton, but other dudes I want to talk about. And the first one that comes to mind is the nation's leading sack player, getter, however you want to say it, Jonah Ellis. Dude is from Idaho. He wears number 83 as a D lineman. He is an absolute beast. Two sacks and two tackles for loss against Florida. Three and a half sacks and five tackles for loss against UCLA. He had one play where he blew right through the offensive lineman, still having him pushing him back, grabs the quarterback with his right hand while still being blocked and somehow takes him down. It was unbelievable. He looks like a dude who just moved over from like tight end or something earlier that day and just decided not to change his jersey number. Not the case. He ended up, he actually followed his dad's footsteps at Utah, who also wore number 83. Um, he got drafted by the Lions, had a, a long career in the NFL. Pretty cool. Anyway, Joan Ellis is an absolute stud, and you have to find ways to keep getting him snaps when the defensive line is completely healthy. Another name that comes up Logan Fano. Four games into his career, two and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. Against UCLA, it felt like he was pressuring the quarterback every single drop back, he was everywhere. 
Him and his brother, both from Utah. This is their first year here. An absolute breath of fresh air, and I love it. Brothers on the offensive line. Spencer. There's actually one play <laughs> where they were talking about it. it. looked like maybe a false start on Spencer Fano, and uh, Nate Johnson goes and gets in his face, gives him some words of encouragement. They end up calling the uh, defense for kind of delay of game for trying to, like, fake snap count, you know, that stuff. And uh, Spencer started jumping up and down. It was really funny. Everybody laughed. Anyway, another name, Tal Johnson. Against UCLA, they moved him to play a little bit more free safety. They put Vaki in at nickel. Whittingham said after the game that is what's going to happen probably more next season for uh, Johnson. That That's his natural position, playing him free safety. And you could tell. The dude was a ball hawk. He was in on several different plays, flies around all over the field. Words cannot quite accurately describe how I feel about this defense. Truly. They will keep Utah in every single game all year. They are for real, for real. The offense, on the other hand, that's something we need to talk about. Everybody knows that they need Cam Rising to come back. Everybody wants to know when it's going to be. He even warmed up before the UCLA game. He took snaps, kind of got some people's hopes up, I think. He did not play. He didn't even suit up. And Whittingham said after uh, the game that, yeah, this was uh, planned. There were zero plans of him playing. It was all a part of the process of him getting back on the field, just getting reps, getting back into the football motion. So honestly, who knows when it will be? He's coming back from an ACL injury. It happened on January 2nd in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. It's been eight months, close to nine months since the injury. And it's a, it's, I don't know. It's tough. It's a little worrisome. Utah is at Oregon State this coming week on Friday, followed by a bye after that. And then they come back home on October 14th against Cal. If I had to put money on it, realistically, I'd say Cam probably is not back until that home game against Cal after the bye. This week, a short turnaround with the Friday game. He's not going to go from just not dressing at all to starting. That seems like really wishful thinking. I don't know. But since Cam's been out, we've kind of rode the quarterback carousel a little bit with Bryson Barnes the first game and a half, Nate Johnson, and Nate winning the starting job ultimately. Look, Nate does a lot of things well. He's extremely fast. He's got a great arm. Whittingham even said before the season, he has the best arm on the team in the entire quarterback room. He's got the best arm. His issue is the freshman stuff, right? He's a freshman, so freshman mistakes are going to happen. Ball security. He cannot hang on to the football. Three fumbles, only one lost uh, against UCLA, which was brutal. But it happened a couple plays into both games that he started, and it's a little worrisome. Yes, again, you expect some freshman mistakes. I get it. You can't really blame him for that. But you got to kind of, I mean, it's ball security, right? you got to just lock it up. The offense, however, against UCLA was so stagnant, and I'm not putting the blame on Nate Johnson. I'm putting a lot of the blame on the play calls coming from the offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig. Now, Nate's a dual-threat quarterback, right? He can be really dangerous with his his legs. However, the UCLA game, it was really eye-opening because the play calls were brutal. These little designed quarterback runs, handing it up off the middle just over and over and over. They didn't let him air it out at all. And it honestly got to the point where, again, we go to games, me and my brother and our buddies, and we've kind of got our little season ticket family around us. We're all talking about it like in the North End Zone is where we sit. We love it. Shout out my North End Zone family. Uh, We literally started saying like, look, I would rather Nate make mistakes throwing the ball down the field, letting him air it out, giving him a chance to throw it downfield other than go three and out over and over and over and punt the ball back after going just getting two or three yards up the middle. 
brutal. He had a couple really good throws when he rolled out. He hit Vele for a couple uh, big gains. He even had a nice little touchdown to the Auburn tight end transfer, Landon King. It was awesome to see. I believe it was his first game of the season. But he never really got a chance to let it fly. I liked him getting in space. I liked him rolling out a bit. I liked giving him the option to use his legs and make a play downfield. I hope that happens more on Friday because that's what's going to have to happen. If Nate can hold it down until Cam comes back, it's an extremely successful freshman campaign, truly. The fact that Utah is sitting at 4-0 and right now without Cam Rising playing a single snap is a massive, massive win. The fact that Utah is 4-0 and with all of the injuries that they've had is a massive, massive win. Now, speaking of injury, starting running back to Quinton Jackson, he went down with what looked like an ankle injury. Uh, Whittingham said post-game that he was pretty banged up, but they won't know the extent of the injury till later this week. Uh, not great. And, of course, it's not like Whittingham's going to tell us about the injury anyway. Uh, but after limping off the field, Jackson never came back. Jalen Glover stepped in and took the majority of the snaps. And all things considered, and considering we ran the ball 90% of the offense, he shouldered the load. And I liked it. He carried the ball 25 times, 86 yards. Those numbers aren't going to jump off the stat sheet to you. He even had a nice little 17-yard snag uh, with the Nate Johnson rollout. But not having a dynamic playmaking running back has really hurt us. Mika Bernard getting hurt, he's been that guy, and that is already showing us how much we're missing it. Even having a guy like Jalen Dixon was nice, right? Yes, Utah has Mikey Matthews. They've got Money Parks, who somewhat can kind of fill that Jalen Dixon role with those little bubble screens, but I'm not talking about that. Talking about out of the backfield. And losing Bernard for the season is going to hurt, I think, Utah more than we all realize. And the worst part, rumor has it, he got hurt riding one of those lime scooters, which is terrible. Anyway, I was impressed with Glover this weekend. I really liked it. He also had an unbelievable blitz pickup uh, where he put his body on the line and got absolutely blown up, but saved a sack, which was awesome. I think we'll see another big dose of him depending on what JJ's injury looks like, but all things considered, it was a good weekend. Utah's currently sitting at number 10, and honestly, looking at the rankings, it's pretty wild. They're sitting ahead of some of the most winningest programs in college football history. Notre Dame, who's sitting at 11, who's coming off just the most heartbreaking loss. Alabama, LSU, and Oklahoma. Really amazing. And really amazing thinking about how far Utah has come since joining the uh, the Pac-12. By the way, speaking of Pac-12, They've got teams ranked 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. I say it every episode, but every single week, every Saturday that goes by makes me more and more mad that the conference is done. Larry Scott, you can burn in hell, my friend. You are the worst. Thanks for nothing. Uh, Also speaking about the Pac-12, let's talk about this. How about Oregon running up the score and just proving a point to Colorado? My goodness. Look, we figured this would happen. We talked about it last episode, but I did not think it was going to be as bad as it was. Holy moly. They were not messing around. Oregon's coach hitting the team with the, they're playing for clicks, we're playing for wins pregame speech. Then going for it on fourth and goal multiple times, up like 40. Beat down. Beat down. And I'm afraid more of that is to come next week with UCL, uh, no, with USC, sorry, uh, stepping into uh into boulder although i will say arizona state actually gave usc more of a fight than i think we all thought they would but who knows i think travis hunter being out uh for that game and also streaming live during uh the oregon game uh hurts not great not great at all 
We'll talk about the birds and dive into NFL stuff, but before I do so, I want to talk about something that I love more than anything that happened this week, and that is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift making it official. I am shocked at how much I actually love this. <laughs> like, truly, I am all in on this. I tweeted this, but after watching the Kelsey documentary, I now find myself rooting for, obviously, Jason, but I find myself rooting for Travis, not just on the field. I'm, like, invested in this relationship in a weird way. You could also see it from her when she, when uh, Travis scored a touchdown. She was legit hyped. She's like laughing with Mama Kelsey, chest bumping the dude next to her and dropping a let's effing go after he scored. She seems all in. She seems very serious, and I seriously love it. It's the best thing ever. I genuinely love it. So let's talk about the birds. Again, very convincing win tonight against the Bucks, taking care of business. And I talked about it a little bit earlier. I think it's a good thing that the Eagles aren't clicking offensively right now. I really do. Jalen Hurts, is he just doesn't look comfortable yet. There's a report from Schefter that said he had flu-like symptoms before the game. I don't know if you want to believe that. You can put some stock into that. I personally don't. I just think he's not comfortable with the new offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, yet. That's what it looks like. The play calling is just kind of, they're just trying to figure it out. Look, DeAndre Swift absolutely dominated again tonight. And I think that's hilarious because there was that dude who I talked about last week who was all up on Twitter <gasps> crushing Swift's vision and saying that he uh, is going to be benched once Gainwell's back. And that was absolutely not the case. Swift dominates again tonight. Truly, when I say dominates, the seas parted. Now, we know that Philly has one of the best offensive lines in the entire league. But when I say the seas parted, I quite literally mean that they parted. There was a giant hole for Swift to run through almost every carry. He had 16 carries for 130 yards. Probably should have had a rushing touchdown, but guess what? The push, uh, the, the tush push, rather, uh, came back and uh, Hurts ended up getting a, a rushing touchdown that way. Again, Hurts wasn't crazy great. Yes, it was bad weather and raining a little bit. He was 23 for 37, threw for 277 yards, uh, a touchdown pass, which was beautiful, took a hit in the pocket, made the perfect throw, uh, and threw two picks. I don't know. A.J. Brown clearly was more involved, had nine receptions, 130 yards, looked great. And uh, we got to talk about it, man. Freaking my boy, Britton Covey, showing up, showing out, was awesome. Was awesome. Had three punt returns for 81 yards, including the biggest and longest one to start up the game on like the second possession for 52 yards. It just it feels so good for me. I can't even imagine how it feels for him. Uh, that all of Philly now sees what we've seen, what we got to see at the University of Utah, what we knew this dude was capable of all the time. And it's still, it's just the tip of the iceberg, man. This thing is going to go and go and go. But his little cut, like that, when he caught that punt return and started breaking it towards the outside, his lateral movement's just ridiculous. And I love, I watched the highlight like 20 times, hearing the crowd just go nuts because he breaks that. Uh, that first little cut up field and he's he's gone. I love it, man. Good for freaking him. Also off of safety, had another 30 yard return. Uh, it's Canada's a kick return because of the safety, but still awesome. Put him for over 100 yards uh, to join what hurts and AJ Brown and Swift. Pretty awesome. Love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Again, 25 to 11 win. Ugly. But are there such thing as ugly wins? 
I don't think so. A win's a win. And I love, 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 love what Sirianni said after the game where he's like, look, we're not playing our best football. Nobody in the league is. We shouldn't be playing our best football. And we're not. It's only going to improve and get better and better and better. And the fact that we're winning these games against decent teams, that makes a huge difference. Shout out the Birds. I love it. 3-0. And the best part, moving into their schedule, you don't want to say that the schedule gets soft because their schedule is actually brutal. Uh, but get Washington at home next week, then in L.A. against the Rams, then at the Jets, and then uh, then things get real interesting. <laughs> Dolph- here, I'm just going to read off. The Dolphins back at Washington. Then you got the boys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Niners, the boys again. Whoo-wee. That is going to be quite the stretch. Anyway, we'll enjoy this. 3-0. Love it. Looking forward to next week. Going to be great. Little fantasy update. We'll make it quick. I decided to stick with Joe Burrow, and uh, he just isn't healthy, man, and it sucks. Ended up losing 107 to 79. Burrow at eight points, threw for like 250, but threw a pick. AJ Brown didn't score, but had 13 points. Devontae didn't do much, only had like 2.8. Uh, Chubbs, my buddy, got the best of me. He also had Kansas City's defense. And the Seahawks kicker, which was brutal. Kicking the jewels. Anyway, I got to figure out my quarterback situation because I'm in trouble. So help. Seriously, help me. I need help. Okay, friends, time out for a minute because I want to chat about Griffles Plasma. And also about how plasma makes medicines and how every donation you give with Griffles Plasma, it can be used to make up to five different medicines. Now, while there are lots of different plasma medicines used to treat a lot of patients for life-threatening injuries and illnesses, the point is that each time you donate, your plasma can be used to help save lives. Each time, that is huge. Multiply that by the number of times you give plasma, yep, you got it, even more huge. Kind of like Allen Iverson leading the 2001 Sixers to the NBA Finals all by himself. So shout out Griffles Plasma and all their teams across the country. Plasma makes medicines, and a lot of people depend on these medicines. Donate plasma and receive compensation for your efforts today. You can find a center near you at grifflesplasma.com. Tell them Josh sent you. This advertisement is a paid promotion. I want to tell you about the easiest way to get some action on the NBA. It's Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can also pick from rivals, which pits two players against each other for a head-to-head matchup. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the code TBF24, that's TBF24, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Are you a slave to the can? Why don't you grow up and maybe join CEDA, Can Energy Drinkers Anonymous. At Buffed Energy, our energy is literally too powerful for a can. It also includes ingredients that can't sit around in water for months, let alone a day. Our proprietary blend of organic mushrooms combined with nootropics and caffeine will give you the boost you love from energy drinks and the focus you desire when you ask your friends if you can get some Adderall from them. 
I literally drank one before setting my underdog fantasy lineup tonight for Monday Night Football. And guess who hit two pick'em slips? You're damn right. Go Birds. Buffed Energy. Destroying energy drinks one can at a time. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Calling all golfers. Do you have a problem three-putting? If you said no, you were either in complete denial or you're just a straight-up liar. Jokes aside, and in all reality, who doesn't? It's inevitable. We're all three-putters. Well, let me introduce you to a new lifestyle brand for golf that is made for us. The Three-Putt Golf Company. Golf gear that meets the average golfer where they are, but looks like a professional brand. The first drop sold out in hours, but more are coming. Keep an eye out for the drop. Discounts for That's Ball Folks listeners giveaways and more three putt golf company everybody three putts look good doing it are you sick of spending time caring for your lawn have you spent too much time mowing it or even just keeping it alive you tired of wasting resources and money watering it if you are like me the answer is yes to all of those you should consider artificial grass beehive turf out of northern utah will transform your yard into looking beautiful all year round Check out Beehive Turf on Instagram. Give them a call today for a free quote. Beehive Turf, take the sting out of caring for your lawn. Let's talk about this damn situation because it is getting interesting. There are reports that the Blazers don't want to have him around when camp starts and their media day is October 2nd. That's next week. I wonder if they'll actually make a move. Truly, what is going to happen? Because as of the last couple of days, it doesn't sound like Miami is actually active in trade talks at all. Maybe they were. Report came out today, I think, from Spears, Marcus Spears, who said, hey, uh, they offered Tyler Hero and two first-round picks. That's not, that's not enough. That's not enough at all. In what world is that enough? But where else? Toronto? There are smoke or reports of smoke around Philly, Chicago. Does Dame actually make a big deal if he gets traded somewhere else besides Miami? Honestly, Toronto seems like probably the most likely option to me. There are even reports that they're open to moving Grady Dick, who Portland apparently is open and and wanting to get. However, they have 
made it known, similar to the Sixers not wanting to move Maxi, that uh, Toronto doesn't want to move Scotty Barnes. And I can't really blame them. But I think Toronto does have the pieces to make it happen. And that's most certainly the most intriguing offer so far. But Chicago, what do they do? Another report said that Orlando will also throw their hat in the ring. I just love that actually the Blazers and Portland sitting around and doing their due diligence rather than just like, oh, we should do right by Dame. Let's trade him there. Let's trade him to Miami and take whatever they offer us. No, they're saying, screw you guys. We're going to go out and we're going to get the best offer we possibly can. If I had to put money on it right now, I would say Toronto. I don't, I mean, that's a classic Maasai move if he actually doesn't do anything. But also, it would be a huge splash. They'd be good, man. Dame would be great up there. Then again, does he do the unthinkable and sit and pout and throw fit until he actually gets his way? I don't know. Because then, of course, you've got Pat Riley in Miami who are just, I mean, they're being hilarious saying, no, we're, we, feel, we feel like we could win the Eastern Conference with the roster we've got now. Like, what? You just lost Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, who started for you. Kyle Lowry isn't playable. In what world could you win the Eastern Conference? They need Dame. And now Tyler Hero's like, what? I mean, why would I stay in Miami? You guys made it very clear you hate me. Reports are that Danny Ainge in Utah really like Tyler Hero. Look, I talked about it with some buddies, some Jazz fans. I like Tyler Hero's offensive game. I don't like Tyler Hero as a basketball player overall. He's a bucket getter and a huge liability on defense. I watched the Sixers go after Tyler Hero on eight straight possessions and score on every single one of them until finally they saw enough. <laughs> Spo, Spo called the timeout and was like, get your ass on the bench, buddy. I can't play you. I don't know. I don't love Tyler Hero. So, of course, I can't blame Portland for being like, yeah, no, we don't want Tyler Hero in two first-round picks because guess what? Your first-round picks aren't going to be good. I don't know. I'm fascinated to see what happens. I would bet on Toronto, but I don't know. I would just love something to happen because I feel like this is just, it's been lingering all offseason. And their media day is quite literally next Monday. So, we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? Let's end with this. I mentioned that I was going to talk about a little, do my own little version of love and hate. I'm only going to do, well, this one I'm kind of split. I love it and I hate it. So let's talk about it. So when baseball players, when they are going to retire and it is their last season and it's well known throughout the league, they go and every game and every series that they play on the road Teams do nice by them, right? And we're not just talking any baseball player. We're talking like real legends. In this example, we're talking about Miguel Cabrera, the slugger for the Detroit Tigers. So he's making the rounds. He stops in New York. He stops in Boston. Their season's coming to an end, and this is it for him. And he stops in Oakland just this week, uh, this past week. <gasps> And the Oakland A's decide to give Miguel Cabrera a $80 bottle of wine for his farewell gift. Now, not only is this the least thoughtful, most Oakland A's gift ever, but Miguel Cabrera is a recovering alcoholic. I'm not kidding. He went into an alcohol treatment program after the 2009 season where he had legal problems related to drinking. That's not funny. I, I shouldn't laugh, especially because he was arrested for a DUI two uh, years later following that. 
I'm laughing because the Oakland A's are the biggest joke in all of sports. The Oakland A's ownership is the biggest bunch of morons to exist. It's the most on-brand thing ever for them. Ever. It's embarrassing on every possible level, and it's honestly hilarious that they that's what they decided on. <gasps> How are you in like a meeting where you're like, hey, Miggy's coming to town. Uh, the Yankees gave him this. The Red Sox gave him this. What do we give him? And somebody's like, well, we got, I've got this bottle of wine at my desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. Let's do that. What? Oh, what? <laughs> Everybody who is involved in that decision should be fired. Then again, the Oakland A's, uh, they don't care. They're just trying to leave Oakland and their owner's trying to capitalize and get to Vegas. Anyway, I love and I hate it. I hate that they did it because it's so thoughtless and obviously Miggy's history with alcohol. I love it because the A's are such morons that that's actually what they decided to do. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Anyway, that's all I've got for you this episode. As always, thank you guys for listening. As always, I appreciate you listening. I'm glad I get to do this. We're going to be doing more and more fun things rolling out here, obviously, with Buffed Energy on board and their pre-release coming out this week. I'm also going to start finally doing video. I've dabbled and kind of debated whether I should do it or not. I always knew it would be my next step, but guess what? I'm going to do it. So you get to hear my voice now. Guess what? You're going to get to see my face, whether it's on social media or YouTube. Uh, keep an eye out for that. This week, I'm dropping my first video, dive in depth about the Utah Utes uh, last game and kind of season moving forward. So I'm excited to show you that. It will be fun. We're all evolving. I'm no different. Now you just get to see my face. Lucky you. <laughs> As always, feel free to uh, leave a like, subscribe, review, do all that fun stuff. One star, five stars don't matter to me. I love you guys. Also, just before I go, I have to mention... Uh, preseason hockey has started and the New Jersey Devils decide to split their team and go and play one game in Montreal while they, the other part of the team stayed in New Jersey and guess what? They both won. Jack Hughes is a freak of nature and I cannot wait to see what he does this year. Obviously the whole team, but it looks like Jack's going to make an even bigger jump than he did last year. Let's hope the whole team can go along for the ride. I am here for it, baby. Let's go Devils. I love you all. I hope you have a fantastic week. Let's go Utes on Friday. Let's go Phillies today when this comes out. They can clinch a playoff spot. Let's go Birds on Sunday. And let's just, let's all go. <laughs> I love you all. Have a great week. And uh, that's all, folks. Well,